guys. What's up? Hey. Welcome to this week's episode of the 13th Floor Podcast. I am Cece. I'm Alex. I'm James. And boy, oh boy, is this episode off to a great start. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. This is heart-pounding stuff that's happening right now. Yeah. Wow. This is crazy. <laughs> this week, we are talking about spirit guides. Thank you again to Hazel for submitting this topic to us. It's one that I've been wanting to get to for a while. But, James, I'll probably need your help because I can't read very well right now. Do you okay. want to know why, James? Sure. Okay. She stared into the sun. <laughs> I did not <laughs> stare into the sun, and I do not recommend anyone do that. No, um, Gwen snapped my glasses into, like, five parts today. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, snap. Yeah, and you want to know why it happened, James? Oh, my God. Was this to punish you? No, no. It's because uh. Alex farted. That's what started the whole. What? Yes. <laughs> Gwen was sitting with Alex. He let one rip, and it smelled awful. And she said, I'm not sitting next to you anymore. She got up. She moved. I was laying on the couch looking through my phone and reading about spirit guides. Uh-huh. And she sat right. I had my glasses off because it's not comfortable to lay down with glasses uh, on. Yep. Agree with you there. She put her knees right on top of the glasses and I heard uh-huh. a pop. I did not get to see the reaction on her face. But Alex said she looked very distraught because uh-huh. I couldn't see anything. But yeah, she apologized about a thousand times and was like, I'll go buy you some new ones. I'm Aww. so sorry. See, see, in my imagination, I had this much more uh, nefarious scenario where you're being too strict on her for some sort of reading assignment. She's like, if I can't read this, you can't either. It just like, <laughs> destroys your glasses. <laughs> no, no. She, she <laughs> felt pretty awful. That would have been funny. And honestly, I wouldn't put it past her at some point. But mm. yeah, no, not right now. She felt She felt pretty bad. Yeah, so Alex, he he super glued them back together. Do you use Gorilla Glue? Yeah. Yeah, they they smell awful. You look um, like Poindexter, I'm guessing. They, You know, they look better than they feel on my face. Mm-hmm. They, I tried to take a picture to show my friend, one of my dear friends, Amy. Hey, Amy. And they started to fall back apart, so I put them back on my face really quickly, but... I'll be straight with you. They look flawless. Don't even lie to these people. Maybe we, maybe James, you can put a picture on our uh, on our Instagram at some point. There but we go. Yeah, no, it's uh, so I fortunately, praise God, have gotten an emergency eye doctor appointment tomorrow to get a new prescription. But it takes like three weeks before they'll, they'll come in because I have to special order my glasses because my eyesight is so bad. Yeah, your lenses. Yeah, so. <laughs> So that's where I'm at, you guys. So I've got notes because I am typically pretty strict with reading my notes and just kind of, you know, yeah, I have my notes, but I can't see them very well at the moment. Mm -hmm. So James, I'm going to, I'm going to rely on you, man. Okay. Yay. James, uh, what's going on in your life? Like, I know my life has been really exciting. How about you? (laughs) I know I mentioned that uh, Thanos malted, or at least I think I did. You did. And you said he was but, really tired uh, last time. Yeah. Well, he's he's got his energy back, and rehousing him has been impossible. Um, what I've been doing is I put his new enclosure next to where he currently lives, and he'll he'll walk in for a second, and then he'll just run right back into his old enclosure and hide. 
So it's been very difficult, and he, I don't know if I'm ever going to rehouse him. Apparently. He likes the familiar. I can't blame him. Yeah. But you also told me that he's he looks more purple now. Yeah, yeah, he looks purple. Yeah, that's hence the awesome. name Thanos. It's wonderful. Yeah. So congratulations to Thanos. He just needs to come to the realization that there's better things out there for him, and that includes yeah. a new home. <laughs> Maybe you should talk to him about that. You should say, Thanos, listen, this is for you. Like, yeah. I would love to move into a bigger home, but I don't have somebody <laughs> putting my little home next to a bigger yeah, home it's and free trying real to get estate. me out. It's literally yeah. free real estate. Yeah. You should tell him, if this were, if I were you, n- we wouldn't need a paintbrush to yeah. kind of touch my butt and get me into the other house. <laughs> don't you use a I paintbrush think, to try I do, and get them? I do. Yeah. But I do think people are probably pretty similar. If uh, if there was some being that was trying to nudge people in the right direction, they'd probably get frustrated too and be like, "Oh my god, this is the perfect opportunity for you. Why are you doing this?" That's you know what you're actually probably right. If somebody came <laughs> and told me that I had a bigger house for waiting for me, I would probably say, "What's the catch?" Yeah. Mm. Thanos, maybe he's better than all of us. He knows better than all of us. <laughs> Alex, Alex, I think that the highlight of his day has been that he beat his boss at ping pong. Oh my gosh. It's true. Yeah. And his boss is the best person in the office who plays ping pong. So that's Alex's highlight. Did you rub it in his face and he said, don't bother coming in? Yeah. yeah, He said, don't bother coming in again. But but, yeah, that was good. And then, you know, it was immediately slapped. Then I got slapped in the face later when my wife shared uh, a story about my fart with all of our audience. So <laughs> yeah, you know, one win, one loss. You can't, yeah. you can't win them all. This is my life lesson yeah. today. You broke life even. Is, life is like ping pong, a lot of back and forth. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Life lesson. But um, you know, I felt great shame. Speaking of shame, I don't know if you all have any icebreakers. No. But I was thinking. You know, we've done been doing this podcast for a while now. Yeah. There's probably a couple episodes that you're like, I would redo that one. You know, there's uh, this one that I feel a little weird about. Maybe I didn't do my, maybe I didn't bring my A game, or maybe that was an old episode. We hadn't found our mojo yet. Um, I'll go ahead and go first. Okay, you I've go first. I've got two that have been weighing on me for quite some time. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know this, James. <laughs> yeah. This is news to me. Yeah. Our John F. Kennedy episode. And our, I almost said Marilyn Manson, um, <laughs> our uh, Charles Manson episode. Those, uh, those are those two. are two episodes that I feel like I just oof. I had the football. I got hit. I fumbled it. I picked it up and I accidentally carried it to the opponent's end zone. Wow. Like they didn't have to do it. Wow! I just got turned around. And I think I'm just like it was so daunting to tackle something so specifically historical in terms of like an individual who's mm-hmm. been, uh, had many documentaries, movies, everything made about them. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a lot to dig into. What do I focus on? And it's just, mm. Ooh, that those two have stuck with me. I remember when you did your John F. Kennedy research, you were just like, uh, yeah. And, and Manson Al- too, Alex man. told his uh, therapist that, JFK assassination and Charles Manson were his big regrets, and he's now on a no-fly list. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, but yeah, those two. Two good answers, Alex. Yeah. I think for me, honestly, like when it comes to recording, I feel like I do put as much as I can into all of my research. Although this episode, um, 
I'm just nervous, I guess, because I can't read my notes. <laughs> so we'll see how this one turns out. I thought out. for sure you would say our first episode. Oh, yeah. No, that's, I know that's one that you've always wanted to like. Always. I, if I could just. <laughs> well, and that's the thing like with that. I feel like I can't use it as an answer because we did get to redo our Lizard People episode. Well, we didn't redo it, though. No, right? we didn't. We didn't. But we got. I got another stab at it. And I feel mm. like I did much, much better the mm. second time. Mm. But Lizard People. The first episode, I think I was just so nervous to be talking into a microphone. I didn't know what to expect. We hadn't found yeah, our mojo. I enjoy listening to our old stuff for that reason because it's like, wow, we've improved a lot. We've improved a lot. I, maybe I should have said our Flat Earth episode because I insulted that one Flat Earther and they gave us a <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Alex, <laughs> you should totally fix that. Yeah, no, I think, I think that just the episodes that I feel most self-conscious about isn't because I didn't give it my all. It's just because you guys did better than me. (laughs) Like, I feel like you guys were just like so much better than me that I'm like, oh man, I stink. But I mean, you know, when you have three people with so much greatness, it's Mm. easy to feel that way around them, you know? Well, you know, that's what I was going to say actually is, you know, CC, it's a testament to you as an editor because whenever I think an episode, I sounded dumb, then I listen to it. I'm like, oh, never mind. CC made me sound smart. Yeah, you guys, the magic of editing. But James, <laughs> that's the thing. You usually do sound smart. And maybe that's Thank kind you. of like where I come in with the same sentiments. Like I feel like I sound bad. And yeah. then it's just me being hard on myself. Yeah. James, well, what's your answer? What would you uh, want to there's, there's been a few where I've been like really tired and not, you know, all there. But really the one that amazes me just from feedback from listeners Turns out my tomato rant shouldn't have been like 10 minutes. It should have been like 50 minutes. People <laughs> love the remote viewing tomato rant, apparently. Yes. Yes. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I forgot that you had that tomato water balloon rant. Yeah. 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 yeah I forgot about that. I think that one of my favorite episodes where you were tired, you still did excellent, but it was our um, Celebrity Sing Aliens episode. And you had a little line where you go, hey. It's all right. I'm Jimmy Carter. He says something like that. <laughs> all right. I forgot. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like, was okay. not all there for that one yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You took your Benadryl before, right before we recorded. It happens, James. It happens. Yep. Um, wow. That was a very revealing. Uh, yeah. I feel. Yeah. Exposed. I feel exposed. The good thing is you're on a podcast so no one can see. <laughs> Alex, I'm okay. <laughs> I can't. Well, I can't see either, so. <laughs> Okay, like, is there anything else we want to talk about before we hop into the episode? We, we could do the little shout-outs, but I don't know if you can read a map. Hey! <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know what, we're going to say hearty hello to everybody. Everybody all across the globe. I know that we did that recently, but I can't, I, my computer's on the other side of the house because I can't see it, so I'm, I'm just going to say hello to everybody. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. Hey, also, join us on Patreon, where we have yeah. weekly extra episodes. Yeah. There are, some of them are a little fun and zany, like a trivia episode, or maybe a fun James Explains It All. Yeah. And then usually about once a month, we have a little dark, a really dark, normal episode where one of us covers that one topic that a little more extensively than we normally would have. And it's not quite something for our... General audience. General audience. Because it's... We've got it's, kids that it's listen It's usually to this. dark. It's usually... It's not always darker, but it's usually... Like, mine are pretty dark. Alex gets <laughs> really dark. And I also, I want to welcome our, our newest patron, Anna. 
So welcome to the team, Anna. We're so happy so, to have you. My uh, sweet, sweet 13th floor here. Yes, sweet, sweet 13th floor here. So <laughs> welcome, Anna. And thank you again to all of our patrons. You guys are rock stars. Yeah, yeah you are. You guys awesome. are rock stars. Uh, so, anyone, it, sorry, there's there's a sticky thing. Can you all hear that? Another little ASMR for you all. Oh my god! I took a sticker off of my computer, and it's some, alluring. And I must touch it. He needs some Google. Um, I'll try not to touch it during this while I figure oh out how to god. get rid of this. What? I just don't want to put Google on my computer. You I know? don't blame you, but guess what? Your I, mom puts it on everything. I've never even heard of this. You've never heard of Google? No, Jay. <laughs> it's uh alex's mom uses it all she the time to yeah to get anything sticky off of something where it shouldn't be sticky it mm. just you just use it and you like scrape it off and it yeah. just gets it, it gets awesome. it off yeah it's awesome but uh back to the topic at hand um yeah join us over there on patreon it's a good time yeah so <laughs> alex yeah i know that you usually want to go first i do and I'm going to. Yeah, you better. Why not? Well, you hit me I totally one. prepped to go first and not let someone else talk about general things. Would you <laughs> want to see? Well, water. Sorry. Okay. Um, so I'm covering, uh, we're covering spirit guides in general, and I'm covering more modern ideas for spirit guides and just kind of, you know, general ideas behind the whole shebang. Yeah. Yeah. So, in this article written on July 2021 by Alethea Luna for Lone, or sorry, LonerWolf.com, the title of the article is Seven Types of Spirit Guides, and then in parentheses, and How to Connect with Them, which is totally, totally not a ripoff of the book that came out in October 2020 by Yamil Yamunya called The Seven Types of Spirit Guides, How to Connect and Communicate with Your Cosmic Helpers. Huh. Totally not similar. No. I'm sure it was just by chance that these two exact titles came out at the same time. Oh. Um, so, like we're all going to be talking about, we've got these entities that are tied to us at birth in some theory. Sometimes we think that these mystical things, um, whether it's an animal, it can be a, it can be like a uh, a plant in some cases. Just so, you, have you seen this, James? I've, These plants. I've heard of a plant spirit guide, but I've not looked really deep into it. Okay, so we've got we've got some plant action over here. I've actually lost my article that I did have up. This is your number one regret episode. I can I'm calling it now. You're we're gonna get a review that says Alex really phoned it in this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just uh, yeah, I was just like planning on a few other things to happen in this. Um, so we've got a few mm-hmm. different types of spirits. We've got, you know, maybe the half man, half beast. Half man, half beast. Yeah, this is like a trans, uh, <laughs> this is like a trans species. So it's, it, it, you know, it's a half and half. We see a lot of uh, Egyptian gods kind of like have like. Uh, a crocodile body and a human head. Yeah, uh, and we see that in Greek mythology. And things like mm. that. And then we get, the t- I think what most people think of when we think of spirit guides, which is the animal totems. Yeah, that's what I'm talking right. about. So don't dive into so those I'm not ones. going to. I, but, I, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just thinking there's a natural evolution there from animism to totemism to anthropomorphism. And Well, I'll talk about it later. Don't worry about mm. it. <laughs> okay. And uh, according to her, there's also these light beings. 
Um, a lot of people call these like guardian angels. So I have one of those, I think. I know. And, and they usually appear in traumatic areas of life, such as death, loss, and grief. Oh. Was that not one that one showed up for you? No. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, and then, uh, you know, you've got one that some cultures have relied on, ancestors. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of cultures that use past relatives to yeah, many guide people them. Think elves that that's what they are. Uh, elf actually means oh, the pale. Interesting, one. James. Yeah. What's elf mean? The pale ones. That's so horrifying. the concept of <laughs> I, I know it's because they're helping Santa, and you know there's not a lot of sun up there. It's so it's because they're, they're corpses and burial mounds. They're pale. Oh, oh my interesting. gosh! That's terrifying. They're the ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. Those are ancestors. And then, you know, I mentioned plants earlier, but there are things like I, uh, James, help me with this. I, Ayahuasca? I, I Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca, uh, golly. Ayahuasca you can take that in Kentucky, a, by the way. Shout out to them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no joke. There's actually an Ayahuasca, Kentucky, uh, like, retreat. James, have you been on that retreat? I have not. not I, know, I know they have them out yeah. in California. And I've never like used Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca uses me. <laughs> I uh, I have a friend who knows somebody who goes on spirit journeys with with that stuff occasionally. Oh, yeah. It's trippy stuff, I, apparently. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's a psychoactive, and DMT. it's used for a lot of people to go on these journeys. Yeah, people meet creatures. Uh, they'll meet God sometimes. There's all kinds of things that happen while on this, and of course, gods, goddesses, like. We kind of already mentioned like, like the Egyptian gods, like like Hor- and even like Horus or Apollo. I was gonna say Apollo. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, we've got these, and then this last one. I'm like, I don't know. This feels like a newer one. Ascended Masters. Oh. And th- these are beings that already live on the Earth, and they've gone through a spiritual awakening, and they're like the people that guide you. Is what yeah, I you, guess you literally just did a are. Cliff's Notes version of what Theosophy is. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why <laughs> but, I went, ooh, when you said Ascended But yeah, they're, they're kind of the ultimate, they're the ultimate teachers because they've awakened, they've transcended the cycle of reincarnation in some cases. What? Yeah, so they're, so, they're super special. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. So... You know, we've got a lot of entities here to deal with. Now, the origins of some of them are related to some different things. So, some of them might be tied to us at birth. Uh, sometimes they might represent might be representations of our unconscious minds, kind of symbolically trying to help us find like a purpose, a wholeness in life. Mm-hmm. And then some people think that these things are our higher selves, and like they are. These entities are ourselves essentially revealing themselves through various shapes and forms to guide us. Hmm. So we've got a few different viewpoints on what these things could possibly be. Now, she goes on to say that many elements of spirituality, which I agree with her on this, have been heavily sullied, monetized, and commercialized, which I think we could all agree on that type of thing. Yeah. And, you know, she, she is here in this article to kind of help you clarify, to sift through the stuff. But um, 
So spirit guides can do a variety of things, right? They can warn you of maybe you're going down the wrong path or they can just um, be guides on your everyday life. You know, like you can have major guides that give you these major life lessons that thought changing life changing things like, Oh, I realize I'm a terrible person. I'm going to turn a new leaf and I'm going to take control of my life. And then you've got my, these minor guides who could help you remember to put on deodorant every day or something. I <laughs> <laughs> Probably not that minor. But what so, a miserable you know. existence that must be. <laughs> I know. I'm the deodorant elf. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> remember, everybody listening, I'm the skeptic, okay? So cut me some slack. So in, in her journey... In, in the author's journey, she sees Pan, the half-goat, half-man uh, thing. He's called the god of wild places. And she saw him on this, like, shama- this oh, shamanic. That seems too close to demonic, but I think that's right. Shamanic yeah, I'm going to be talking at sorts. length about shamanism. So okay, so I'm not going to talk about it any more than that. No, it's fine. She, she it. was very skeptical about this whole thing, but then she goes on a shamanic trip. So I'm like, how skeptical were you that you went on this? You essentially... Well, that's <laughs> Alex, you also, it's like if you're a skeptic and you're not sure, sometimes you can do things to try and mm, change your opinion. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. See, I don't want to do ayahuasca because it makes people nauseous and I hate being nauseous. Ooh. But I would love to take Alex on like an ayahuasca trip no. just to see what would happen. No. It'd be oh, phenomenal. No. <laughs> I, I got a like feeling that Alex would no go from like current Alex to like hippy-dippy art teacher... Can New you imagine Alex if overnight? J- James, if he became more of a believer than you. Oh, that'd be trippy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'd be worried. He'd grow his foil. hair out in a Bob Ross fro and get I'd have, like uh, tinfoil in my shoes. Get those little John Lennon glasses. Oh my gosh. There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But her her article kind of goes into a bunch of different things. Uh, especially ways to interact with these in the modern way, in the modern ways, like scrying. What's scrying? It's the ancient divinatory practice of gazing into a reflective surface, such as water, mirrors, or crystal balls, to receive esoteric information. Well, you yeah. know what always freaked me out, and this is something that happened to me when I was really young. But mirrors always creep me out, just because you know you're looking at a reflection of yourself. Did, did you think you saw something human in it? I, I, well, it looked like my face changed into somebody else's face. That's it was terrifying. terrifying. That's why I don't like mirrors. It was really scary. And I'm not sure if I was dreaming or what, but anyway. Well, you know, fun fact, I was about to say that mirrors don't work in dreams. So just a little heads up. Mirrors well, don't work in thanks, dreams. thanks, James. Which to me lends credence to the idea that mirrors don't work in dreams because dreams take place in some sort of genuine reality. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm, James. So, the next one is what we, another way that we can interact is dream work. And no, I'm not talking about the studio that made the the lovely Shrek. <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> but just before going to bed, this is kind of like uh, this kind of reminds me of what my mole man Swedenborg used to do. You know, he used to prep mm-hmm. himself for his dreams where he took control. He's still obsessed with Swedenborg, by the way, is. James. Yeah. I can, he's the only person's name I can remember. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Also, but uh, 
essentially before bed, you kind of get yourself going in that mindset that you can kind of can well, take control of that. Type James of does it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then it's just meditation. Uh, I've never heard of this, but James, you're probably very familiar with it. Has anyone ever heard of bibliomancy? Ah, yes. The practice of seeking spiritual insight by opening a book to a random place. Mm-hmm. I used to do Quakers that. do that. Really? Yeah. Like, she's a Quaker, to- it turns out. <laughs> no, I used to do that all the time when I was in high, when I was in middle school and high school. If I got bored in the middle of class, I just flipped to a certain page to say, "Okay, I need something to think about," and then it would always be something that was like, "That's a sentence to really think about." Yeah, yeah. The, and, the, and the rest of these are mostly all the same thing. They're very, they're different versions of meditation, uh, just doing them in different places for the most part. And then the last one, number nine, was look for synchronicity. What's that mean? So just look for meaningful coincidence. You know, see repeating numbers. Uh, just pay attention to things that are kind of odd. Okay. Well, unusual. But <laughs> was that a hiccup, James? It was. Or were you cursed? <laughs> oh, Maybe, but no. <laughs> but anyways, is it my turn, Alex? Yeah. I'm- Let me pull up my notes if I can read them. Okay, so... I am kind of taking the aspect of spirit guides per the Amerindians. So kind of like the indigenous people of um, America and just their thoughts on animal spirit guides, which is tends to be the most common form of spirit guide within those cultures. And it kind of, it's, it, it was kind of a difficult topic to dive into because there are so many different variations on this uh, per tribe. So, you know, what I say might not apply to every single tribe, obviously. Right. You're just making ger- a generalization because yes. we don't have time for... I can't dive into every single yeah. every single one um, as much as I'd like to because it was very, very interesting to read about, but... Before her glasses broke. Yeah, before my glasses were <laughs> snapped into five pieces. But I got a lot of my information from legendsofamerica.com. It's very insightful. And it's also very interesting. And I'll talk a little bit more about it a little bit later. But I feel like a lot of people know that the the Amerindians, many, there, there are spirits everywhere in nature for many of these tribes. And, you know, you could have water spirits or tree spirits or air spirits, but also the animal spirit guides. And from what I understand, um, many of these these um, groups kind of have the philosophy that in life, you've got a spirit guide, usually an animal, that is going to be with you throughout life and helping teach you and provide wisdom and make sure that you're staying on the right path and providing guidance for life. And this is another thing that I think has also been kind of monetized and kind of turned into more of a pop culture phenomenon in certain regards uh, over the years. It's kind of been taken advantage of, but um, the, the Amerindians, many tribes had these spirit guides, the animal guides. And sometimes they have one spirit guide, one animal guide that's going to be with you your entire life. And then I also read that in some areas of the country, you have multiple, you could have up to nine different animal guides that will be with you and they'll kind of transition over time depending upon what is going on in your life and what stage you're at. So I thought that that was really interesting. That's always what I was kind of under the impression 
of because I've spoken with somebody years ago about uh, animal spirit guides and how you can kind of determine what your animal spirit guide is. And she- Take this quirky quiz. (laughs) Well, yeah, we we took a quiz today, um, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But no, Hmm. this was with uh, my energy healer, lovely Jay, who- Previously, we we had a long discussion about this, and she told me, right now, your animal spirit guide seems to be this animal. And I asked her, okay. The gopher. No, actually, it was a groundhog. <laughs> you weren't <laughs> entirely off. But she said, right now, but it, it will change in the future. And so that's always kind of what I believed in. And I like I believe that there are different types of spirit guides. Personally, I think that everyone has an animal and I think that everybody has, you know, if you're willing to listen, you have other types of spirit guides, but that's just me. That's my own personal view. (laughs) But another important part here that I found on legendsofamerica.com is that your animal spirit guide picks you. You do not pick your animal spirit guide. So there goes that dragon I wanted. Yeah, you don't have any choice. And that's another thing that I thought was very interesting. When I'm reading through this, I'm realizing there are a lot of animals that the Amerindians didn't know about because they didn't technically exist over here or they weren't common over here. Like there's some people say, oh, um, I believe that my spirit guide is the panda. And then the Amerindians didn't have pandas. So I was just something interesting that I thought of to myself. But the Most meaning cell spirit guide ever can't can't <laughs> reproduce without the aid of a zookeeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, the uh, the meanings of these different types of animal spirit guides differ from culture to culture, obviously. So, what a horse represents per the Shawnee might be different per the Algonquin tribes. So it kind of kind of differs. But again, over time, I feel like animal spirit guides have kind of been taken advantage of just by popular culture because, you know, you hear people say, Oh my gosh, Beyonce is my spirit guide or um, Uh. these Cheetos are my spirit guide. And it's like, no, they're not. Um, And I know that it's all fun, but for some, for some people, those types of comments trivialize the importance. So So you're saying my comments earlier, probably trivialized. What's new, Alex? What's new? (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, I read a very interesting article on just that um, kind of aspect of this on discovermagazine.com. But it did mention that one, because there are, you know, there are pop cultural references that actually don't trivialize it, but just kind of make it a little bit different. And one of those was the Patronuses and Harry Potter. I knew that's where you were going. You knew I was going there, James, because I'm so predictable. But... (laughs) Uh, Patronuses. That's if you don't read Harry Potter, you don't know about Harry Potter, dear listener. It is um, a type of protector that's this protective spell that the wizards can cast, and they've got a little special animal that will come out and help them fight the Dementors. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so there are obviously some pop culture references that are not quite as. I'm not going to say damaging, but damaging. Yeah. And another thing that I was kind of, I feel like I was misinformed uh, on this, but when I hear the word totem, I always thought just a spirit, um, a spirit Mm -hmm. animal, but technically a totem is kind of like a representation of a spirit. It's not Mm -hmm. the spirit itself. Is that correct? Animism, totemism, anthropomorphism, 
And, you know, maybe you could argue further evolution of that is uh, that ascended being ism. (laughs) (laughs) I like that little giggle, James. Well, do you guys want to know how you can determine what your animal spirit guide is? Uh, Yes. Because this one, it's (laughs) Facebook. That's that's about it. When we did, dear listener, take some quizzes where we could see what our spirit guide was, but legendsofamerica.com said that these are the ways that you can figure out what your animal spirit guide is. And it's something that you have to take time with because a lot of people just think that, and it's possible that it might just come to you. Like you're like, oh, that makes sense. That's my spirit guide. But you kind of have to pay attention and listen to your surroundings and see what is making itself kind of appear to you. But have you ever felt drawn to an animal without being able to explain why? Louise. Louise, yeah, Louise is the perfect example. I'll explain why. She's cute. <laughs> She's so mm-hmm. cute. Um, does a certain kind of animal consistently appear in your life? That's, And I think that that's why so many years ago I came to the conclusion that the groundhog was one of my spirit guides at one point just because I saw them literally everywhere. And it's like not just like looking outside my window in my car as I'm driving because they're all over Kentucky, but like they would appear in artwork that I was looking at or I would have an ad that would pop up on my computer and it would have a groundhog. And I'm just like, what is up with all these groundhogs? And that's kind of what led to the conversation with my energy healer. When you go to the zoo or a forest, uh, what are you most interested in seeing? What animals? Alex, what would you be most interested in seeing at the zoo? Ooh, I'm always interested to see if like the lions and bears and stuff are out, especially the lions, because lions are so lazy, they're almost never there. Yeah. So to get to see them like actually active is always pretty cool. That's, that's a good answer. But James, what about you? I love every animal, and at the zoo, like, yeah. I, there's no way. You I will just- say that a, a, a raven has been straight up Edgar Allan Poe and me this month. James, that's kind of <laughs> creepy because ravens yeah. can sometimes be bad signs. Odin's yeah. watching you. Yeah, maybe. It's <laughs> um, also, uh, chimpanzees and the silverback gorillas over at the Atlanta Zoo are awesome. They are. Mm-hmm. There's an orangutan at the Atlanta Zoo that's like oh, yeah. always just like, "Hey, what's up?" Apes in general are so nice to see. Yeah, sometimes I like see us. them in the cage. I'm like, James, are you okay? And then I realize. No, I don't like, I like going to zoos just to see Gwen's reaction, but zoos overall make me very sad. Even uh, though it's like, I know that those animals couldn't live in yeah. nature yeah, just because they're so used to people. But anyways, yeah. okay. Um, are there any, <laughs> what? I was just thinking, you go over to the, the chimp exhibit, if they could talk and be like, oh, you poor things, you're locked up. <laughs> and the chimps would be like, hey, you have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> 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 who's, really, who's really winning this war here? That's uh, true. Mm. Um, are there any animals that you find extremely frightening or intriguing? I feel like all animals. Okay. Is there a particular animal that you see frequently when you're out in nature? Groundhog. Uh, birds. I haven't seen... I haven't like noticed any animals lately, so I need to pay atten- more attention to my surroundings. Have you ever been bitten or attacked by an animal, James? Uh, I got bit by a dog once when I was real little. Didn't care. Didn't didn't scare me for whatever. You were reason. just like he was f- more frightened of me than I was yeah. of him. Yeah, and I picked up a baby copperhead one time when I was little. I was oh. way too young to realize it was a big deal, and I didn't tell anybody because like somehow common sense prevailed. And I was like, 
I bet I would get in trouble if I told people. But uh, yeah, I picked up a baby copperhead and carried it over to like a wood pile and set it down. James, yeah, I'm 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 so glad you're still alive right now because mm. you probably would have gotten bitten and been like, I'm not telling anybody about this. That was embarrassing. Yeah, almost certainly, yeah. <sighs> okay, well, I'm glad that that copperhead <laughs> didn't bite you. Have you ever had a recurring dream about a certain animal or a dream from childhood? I once had a dream mm. that I was at a coffee shop and Chris Evans was the barista and there were no seats at the coffee shop. And I was like, where am I supposed to sit to drink my latte? Are you saying Chris Evans is your no. spirit animal? Gosh, no, no, that would be insane. No, but he was like, go to the building next door. There's some seats there. So I went to the building next door and I walked in and it was just this beautiful leopard just sitting in the corner looking at me like, welcome. It was Snow leopard? No, it was like like a spotted leopard. It was crazy. But I remember waking up and it was so vivid and I was just like, man, I got to hang out with a leopard in my dream. It's cool. It was a, it was a nice leopard. Cool. Yeah. James, do you have any recurring animal dreams? I have recurring nightmares about whales that are disfigured. Oh, see, James, I don't want to hear about your uh, ballenas. Is that what they're called again? Yeah, the ballenas, yeah. You, you need to get a, a drawing of these things. Oof. Oh, God. I want a visualization. If you could see what I see. It sounds awesome. Oof. No. no. James. They're really this scary. This is like perfect for a horror game. That's true. That's true. I mean, true. it's it is. That would be a really good horror game with Bayanas in it. <laughs> okay. Last oh. but not least, are you drawn to figurines or paintings of a specific animal? And if you are, maybe that animal is your spirit guide. If you're big into elves, let me tell you. <laughs> so, so yeah. If you if you you know just kind of pay attention to your surroundings, I feel like that really is one of the only ways that you could actually figure out what your animal guide is. I don't think it's something that you could just like think about. And I had the boys take a, a quiz on what was the website, Alex? Um, it was on spiritanimal.info. Spiritanimal.info. And we all took our little quiz and it said that mine was a turtle mm. and per Sounds about right. Yeah. Per um, slow, lazy, persistent. Alex, you, you oh my <laughs> gosh. No, per mm. Legends of America actually lists what these mean. And on turtle. the website, on, on Spirit yeah, Animal Info, it listen, tells you what it I'm is. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not going to take that info. I'm going to take this one because oh, this this Legends of America. You didn't like slow, persistent, whatever. No, I didn't. No, it says nurturer, <laughs> shy, protecting, patient, strength, innocence, endurance, and long longevity. Longevity, as in it takes you a long time to go. Somewhere. Alex, <laughs> I think it's accurate for me. Yeah. So mine's turtle. Alex, what's yours? I'm the wolf. Okay. The power of the wolf brings forth instinct, intelligence, appetite for freedom, and awareness of the importance of social connection. No, see. When the wolf shows up in life, pay attention to what your intuition is telling you. Listen, that doesn't sound right. This sounds right, okay? Oh boy. Loyalty, perseverance, success, intuition, spirit, appetite for freedom can be a loner. Because sometimes Alex is like, Cece, I need some alone time. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then mm-hmm. I leave. But yeah, this literally never happens. <laughs> no, he says I'm going to go see a movie. Take this quirky quiz. <laughs> oh, James! Uh, J- <laughs> Send it to James before uh, before we record, and here he is in the middle of our episode taking his quiz. So this huh. so far, uh, I'll wait for James's first, and then I'll tell I you. I got the one. Blue Ranger. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you would be a Billy. <sighs> He's the smartest one. He is the smartest one. 
I can't tell if you guys are serious or not because I have no idea what you're talking about. The link. Am I supposed to take a quiz right now? Jay, yes, I texted it to us. It's in your text oh. messages. Oh, okay. Oh see, see, gosh. I had my phone off because I respect you all's. You guys. She I sent can't... it before we were recording. Huh? Oh, oh, I see now. <laughs> <laughs> we're okay. going to pause for a second while James takes the quiz. We're going <laughs> to. Okay. I also got a turtle. You got a turtle? Yeah, I got a sea turtle. James. Same as you. Same as. Turtles of a feather flock together. It's true. That's why James and I are such good friends. And we can finish each other's sentences. There you go. Whoa. Guys, that gave me goosebumps. I think that James, you fit fit the bill for turtle too. In my humble opinion. What do I know? Slow. I know, James. Persistent. Anyways, <laughs> Alex, I'm gonna. Sorry, you can't keep up knee. with the wolf. I'm too fast. All right, listen. I'm done talking. I would much prefer to hear James talk about some spirit guides. So, James, okay. I'm gonna hand it over to you. Yeah. Um. In order to explain spirit guides, first I'd like to talk about animism and shamanism. So, and totemism to that degree. Um, So animism is the concept that the world is inhabited by spirits, nature spirits, spirits of concepts even, you know, like uh, blacksmithing and things like that. And if you look at most pagan belief structures, animism permeates it. And as you see the evolution of certain societies in, in pagan times, you see a delineation away from animism Except in some cases, like Shinto is straight up still very animistic. But what happens a lot of times is, is people start coming up with ways to separate themselves from that, especially as they become more urban. Like think about Rome, for example. And so what happens is first you have animism where you're worshiping the tree because the tree is the god. And then you start worshiping a object that represents the tree, like maybe an animal that lives in a tree. So now you're in totemism. The totem represents the god that was in the tree initially. So so you're going in this evolution from worshiping a concept from nature directly. You're worshiping the ocean. You're worshiping the sky. You're worshiping the storms to totemism, where you're worshiping a deity crafted to represent that thing. And when you're worshiping that deity, most totemistic beliefs uh, can tend to believe that that deity, at least a, a portion of that deity, is inhabiting that totem, that idol, that image. Cool. And then from there, you get uh, anthropomorphism, where, and, and it kind of, for me at least, it always makes me think of the fact that the word person means persona, which means mask. So a lot of deities you'll notice in in certain belief structures, Egypt being a big one, you've got the body of a person and then the head of an animal. And I see this as a form of worship wherein instead of using a totem, instead of using a statue, what's happening is people are worshiping them through plays or through stories that involve a mask and maybe even involve like entheogens or drugs where a person puts on an eagle head mask and they are in that moment, just as the totem was the deity, that person has become sort of an avatar for that deity. So you see this little evolution from 
animism to totemism to anthropomorphism. And then we get to a point where gods become complete abstractions. And that's where you kind of get into those light beings, those guardian angels, where, you know, it doesn't have a physical body, nor can it be directly connected to a force of nature. And a lot of times that especially goes hand in hand with urbanization, because, you know, if you're worshiping a volcano, that makes sense because there's a volcano. If you're worshiping a volcano goddess like Pele, again, totemism, that makes sense. But if you want to worship, say, commerce, a god of commerce or luck, it's like, how are you going to do that with a totem? How are you going to do that with something from nature? It would be a lot easier to take that abstract concept and turn it into a being that likely doesn't have any animal traits because what are you going to associate it with? So that from there on, it becomes a more, um, I, I would say, an abstract being for an abstract concept, in other words. Now, wh- how does this tie in with, with spirit guides? Well, because we find spirit guides in all these different walks of life, and oftentimes they mirror that process that I was just describing. For animistic religions, quite often that animal itself is is the spirit animal or, or a plant or whatever, whereas in totemistic religions it might take the form of a totem. It might take the form of, say, a more artistic-looking jaguar rather than a literal jaguar. And that goes double if you're dealing with entheogens because you're probably not going to see like a literal jaguar in a vision. You're going to see a fractal jaguar that looks more like a a totem or a sculpture. In fact, you might come back and describe it to people and they'll make the the totem or the sculpture. Um, And then furthermore, as as people progress even into those abstract beings – you know, now we get into that guardian angel view of of the prospect of a spirit guide being just a a ball of light or something. So you can kind of see that sort of natural convergence of ideas. And there's a wonderful book called The Shaman, which uh, written by John Grimm, and he connects fascinating because genetic evidence proves this. And when he wrote this originally, I don't think there was genetic evidence that proved this. But uh, he talks about, and we've talked about the Ojibwe Indians before. Well, the Siberian people in Russia, if you look at their shamanism and then you look at Ojibwe shamanism, huge overlap, huge parallels. (laughs) And that's what I kind of wanted to bring up is that if you look at European paganism, if you look at Siberian shamanism, if you look at the shamanistic rituals and rites and belief structures in America, both North, South, Canada, doesn't matter, Peru, all over the American continent, all over the New World, there's huge overlaps that are pretty remarkable, one of which, uh, you know, I mentioned elves are the dead, elves are the ancestors. Um, That's a common form of shamanism is invoking ancestors for wisdom. In Europe, for example, people would sleep on burial mounds in order for their ancestors to impart wisdom to them in the form of of a a spirit guide, perhaps. And then more importantly, in a lot of these, and and some people even argue, I haven't seen a good deal of evidence to suggest this, but it is interesting. Some people argue that even the Neanderthal religion, which may have been the precursor for the Indo-European religion, again, very debatable. But that was a belief in reincarnation wherein when a child would come to a certain age, they would go to the burial mounds and they would find a body part or a relic belonging to an ancestor. And that, you know, once they were an adult in the eyes of the community, again, a rite of passage, 
boom, you are the reincarnation. That's who you are. You were that ancestor and now you're back. And that mm-hmm. was a common view. Well, that goes hand in hand uh, again with uh, spirit animals in the American Indian tradition. In a lot of cases, these were also rites of passage. And rites of passage generally require suffering because you're, you're being reborn in the eyes of the community, especially boys becoming men. Huge, huge importance because it's not something that just happens biologically. Hey, you know, you're, you're old enough to be a man now. No, you have to go through something to prove your worth to the community to showcase that. And spirit animals were spirit guides were a form of that. And a lot of times what would happen is a boy would go into the woods and they would fast. And I'm talking <laughs> tremendous level of, you know, being in full blown survival mode, in other words. And what they saw that would help them would become their spirit guide. Um, and that was an indication that they were a man, was the, the development of a spirit guide. You could argue maybe that's their id. Maybe that's the part of them, the reptile brain that needs to survive. Um, there's a lot of ways you could look at it. But I remember, I can't remember which tribe, but I remember reading a folktale a long time ago about a boy who had gone into the woods to get a spirit guide and his father was never satisfied with the the guide, and he kept sending him back out into the wilderness. And eventually, of course, the boy ended up dying. And the moral of the lesson was, you know, that you, you shouldn't, um, you know, fixate too much on that kind of thing. And I remember the boy originally, like he was brought berries by a robin. I remember that. And then I think he was brought a fish by an otter or something to that effect. And it was never good enough again because the, the, the dude in question, he wanted his son to have like a wolf or something really cool and, you know, heavy metal album cover kind of animal. And uh, I, I think there's an interesting parallel with that and a lot of modern stories about, you know, understanding the, the real reasoning behind a religious awakening and what it can mean. And in the case of, of this story, it's, it's the fact that, you know, if, you're, if your spirit guide's a robin, be content with that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, and I'd also like to point out, because I don't know if we ever have talked about it, but shamanism itself, um, pretty much what shamanism is, uh, and, and you can really kind of define it by what it's not, you know, priesthoods have a lengthy tradition that are connected to some sort of mm, concrete structure, you know, that, that uh, some lasting structure in teaching, whereas shamanism is a lot more fast and loose with that. It's, it's more about direct learning, you know, word of mouth, you know, no, no set standards for, you know, how this needs to be done. It's not peer reviewed or anything. It's not like exorcism, for example, in the Catholic church. And also, and it goes hand in hand with me saying there's a place for, monetization, shamans are sort of usually kind of like freelancers of the spiritual world. You know, there's, there's, you know, one in every community in, in a number of, of tribal communities. And it's not like they had some sort of, you know, thesis that they had to write. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a little more of a freelancer kind of view where they, they had a teacher who word of mouth taught them things like that and so forth. Um, so that's sort of like what shamanism kind of sort of is and, and certain tenets associated with it. A lot. One is contacting the spirits, being an intermediary between the regular world and the spirit world. And that goes hand in hand with spirit guides. So a shaman can evoke spirit guides in order to, you know, 
get a message from them for whoever their client happens to be or get an omen from them and things of that sort. And they also do scrying and other forms of divination as well, uh, as, as Alex was talking about, scrying. So when you think about it, if, if a shaman is like the middleman between the spirit world and the earthly world, then you could argue in that respect, and this is a more universalist view, and I apologize for that because, you know, I'm adding my own little bias to it, but you could argue that a spirit animal is sort of your umbilical cord to the spirit world. It's the part of you that's in the spirit world. Interesting. That's an interesting way to kind of look at it because I've never really thought of it like that, but Yeah. yeah, I've always just kind of pictured animal spirit guides or just spirit guides in general is being there to, to guide you mm. and teach you some type of important lesson, but not necessarily like them be the connect connection to the spirit world. Yeah. Well, like world. our demon episode where I talked about, you know, the original demon, the diamond, the divider of fate. It's kind of like that. A spirit guide is, is more along those lines than, you know, a magic animal in other words. Interesting thoughts, James. Thank you for for going over that. Hmm. This episode has been a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. It's just been so interesting. Because spirit guides are something that's always really been an interest of mine. So I hope that, dear listener, that we've been able to kind of give you some interesting information to think about. There's some cool stuff in there. Yes. So, you guys, I think it's time to draw from the vase. Alex, mm-hmm. will you grab the vase? I can't see. Oh, please. I can't see where I'm going. All right. Alex, draw one from the vase. Pull it. From the bottom again. Okay, from the bottom. I got to put it right up next to my eyeballs. But next <clears throat> week, you guys... Uh, we are talking about mysterious disappearances, and uh, this was submitted to us by Gemma, and she specifically asked about Jimmy Hoffa and D.B. Cooper. Uh, no, we haven't do. done this. I think because Jimmy Hoffa, there's actually been some new news on Jimmy Hoffa lately, so that's yep. cool. So, cool. you guys, we're going to talk about mysterious disappearances. I think that we have done a mysterious disappearances episode, but not about these two people. No. So... Anyways, you guys, uh, thank you to Gemma for submitting that. Is there anything else you guys want to mention before we hit the road? Fly like an eagle. Fly like an eagle. There you go. All right, Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find it on Amazon Music, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you listen to music. So, you guys, until next week, we hope that you can keep, keep it, it strange. strange. Yeah.